It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Little Woman Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to read you something that I wrote recently. I call this, You Should Not Change for the Other Person. I have been thinking a lot about love in Little Woman, especially romantic love. People were a lot more conservative about marriage in the 19th century than they are today. What I have read, Louisa May Alcott's stories and diaries, she took marriage very seriously. In one article that she wrote around the same time, she wrote Little Woman. She wrote that marriages should require a meeting of the minds, similar interests, matching tempers, and also that marriage that is only based on looks and beauty is not going to last. When it comes to Joe and Laurie, Laurie keeps saying that he is going to change for Joe. He is going to school. He is going to give up billiards and smoking. But Laurie also says that once he and Joe marry, Joe can stop writing. Once he and Joe marry, he doesn't need to grow up. He and Joe can continue being friends. And Joe can continue to mutter him. All she has to do is to sacrifice her own wishes and her own dreams. So Laurie basically is saying that once Joe marries him, he expects Joe to change. When Laurie falls in love with Amy, Laurie doesn't even think about Amy needing to change for him or him needing to be something else than he is. When Frederick proposes to Joe, he says his hands are empty. The only thing that he can offer to Joe is himself, the way he is and his love for her. And Joe wants to take it. And when Friedrich confesses his love, Joe feels unworthy of it. Sad creature she was sobbing in the rain, the narrator writes. Joe is amazed that Friedrich loves her with all her flaws and quirks, and he never wants to change her, and she doesn't want to change him. When it comes to relationships, dating and marriages, you cannot expect to change the other person. If there are problems, the only person you can change is yourself. And if the other person changes, they only change if they want to. When it comes to, for example, the old man, when I read the scenes between Joe and Frederick, they have only improved in each other's eyes. Maybe a year ago, one of my followers on Tumblr pointed out to me that Gilbert's proposal in the Sullivan Entertainment version of Anne of Green Gables adaptation is almost directly taken from the 1933 Little Woman. I thought that was really interesting so I went to check that out and it is true. It is almost the same dialogue from word to word. I have sometimes come across people who say that Joe and Laurie are like Gilbert and Anne. I don't really agree with that and does have some Joe-like qualities 
but the couple dynamics between Anne and Gilbert is a lot more equal than between Joe and Laurie. My guest, uh, Star, is here to talk to us about her research regarding the hearing's journey. The hearing's journey narrative in Little Woman and Anne of Green Gables. I found this topic very interesting and I was thinking a lot of our discussion in the previous episode when Star pointed out that even in modern media the hearing's journey is erased because it is less validated. This got me, as usual, thinking about the 2019 Little Woman because I remember Gerwig saying that for her Little Woman is a love story between Joe and her book and that is the only thing she cares about and that to me felt almost like Gerwig was taking us all back to the 1950s or some other time when women had to choose between marriage and career. In Little Woman, the novel, Joe gets to have both love and career, and I feel that Gerwig, who herself is married, she has a husband and she's a mother, she wanted to represent herself as Joe's feminist savior, and then manipulate the audience to believe that Algot hated marriage and wanted Joe to be alone. Which is not true because in her diaries, Louisa writes about how lonely she was and how she wanted to get married and how she envied her sister's marriages and their family life. So these stepping points in Joe's life that she falls in love for the first time and she becomes a mother, they are completely demonized by a director who is married and who is a mother. When Starr said that modern media demonizes femininity, I see it even more clearly now. And I also need to say this, Friedrich and Laurie, they are all based on men who Louisa May Alcott had relationships with. Oh, Little Woman is a love story between Joe and her book, and there should not be any romance, even though she implies that Joe is in love with Laurie, which is weird. That Little Woman is based on Algot's life and her real-life romances. So the book and Gerwig's film would not exist without those real-life romances. So the whole idea of Little Woman being a love story between Joe and her book is nonsense because the book doesn't exist without those real-life things that happened in Algot's life. Gerwig is making a mockery of everything that happened in Algot's life and in the book itself. And sometimes I feel that the people who want Joe to end up with Laurie or alone, what they actually resent is that in part two, Joe actually likes to be a girl rather than a boy. And that kind of attitude itself is kind of misogynistic, that Joe actually likes to be a girl rather than a boy or a woman rather than a man. This is a quote from chapter Surprises. And I just keep getting back to this because this is really written by Louisa Mayalgot about herself. The thing that she regrets is that she has missed marriage and raising her own family. It seldom is at first and dirty seems the end of all things to five and twenty. But it's not as bad as it looks and one can get on quite happily if one has something in oneself to fall back upon. At 25, girls begin to talk about being old maids, but secretly resolve that they never will be. At 30, they say nothing about it, but quietly accept the fact, and if sensible, 
console themselves by remembering that they have 20 more useful happy years in which they may be learning to grow old gracefully. Don't laugh at the spinsters, dear girls, for often very tender, tragic romances are hidden away in the hearts that beat so quietly under the sober gowns, and many silent sacrifices of youth, health, ambition, love itself, make the faded faces beautiful in God's sight. Even the sad, sour sisters should be kindly dealt with, because they have missed the sweetest part of life, if for no other reason. Sometimes people feel uncomfortable talking about someone's loneliness, but when it comes to little woman, this is part of Jo's hearing's journey, because she recognizes that loneliness within herself, and when Freddy comes back to her life, she's ready to do something about it. When it comes to Louisa, she didn't marry, she didn't have kids, but it seems that she wanted to. And she did fell in love, we know that for sure. And that is important. And now Star and I will continue our discussion about the hearing's journey. If you wish to get notified every time when a new episode of the Little Woman podcast comes out, head out to littlewomanchannel.substack.com and join the newsletter. And you can get Little Woman t-shirts, stickers and posters at society6.com slash littlewomanpodcast. This is Little Woman Podcast, when Little Woman and Anne of Green Gables collide. so relatable especially when I was younger and I had these mood swings I would always go back to Anne of Green Gables because it was something that I was feeling yeah I yeah. think we see that in Joe as well yes you know I think Joe is kind of the other end of the scale in that she tries very hard to be logical and reasonable but then she has these moments where you see this romantic in her peeking out yeah that's a good way to put it in the chapter under the umbrella, there's even a moment when the narrator is like, Joe was afraid that people would find out that she was actually a romantic. And I think yeah. that is such a shame because I love that Joe is a romantic and she has this romantic side. Maybe it is that sort of toxic masculinity that Joe has at that point still. Yes, so I think Joe is this perfect. 
Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. dresses and she loved sewing and clothes and stuff like that and then sometimes when I have spoken about that in this podcast or on my social media there are people who are like no, Joe hates that kind of stuff, Louisa May Alcott hated femininity and like no, she did not hate femininity at all and also Louisa May Alcott and Joe, they are both very maternal people. Louisa May Alcott yeah. was a trained think, nurse. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people seem to define like um, a woman being brash and outspoken to be non-maternal for some reason. And I, I get why. I think a lot of current female role models, you know, like the type of marble heroines that exist, they're very masculine and they don't come across as maternal and soft. And it's kind of a result of very one-dimensional writing. 
like Captain Marvel, for example, she's this soldier character, and she doesn't come off as very maternal or very soft. Um, she's kind, yes, of course, but she's not particularly friendly and approachable. And yes, there are issues with women always having to be a certain friendly or approachable, but I think Joe really captures that. She is who she wants to be, you know, with women, with her family, with the people she loves and cares about. She is very soft and loving and caring. She views Laurie as this person that she needs to protect. And I think that's both the maternal side in her and the masculine side of her. You know, she's very, she's almost like this knight and she treats Laurie like he's the princess almost. And she has to defend him and protect him. I find it very a very sweet and rather cute dynamic of theirs that she sees herself as the protector and she takes care of him. So, you know, she's not just maternal, but she's she's very masculine in the way she treats her family. I think that's also shown in the beginning of the book series, in the first book, when her father's off to war and she says that she'll be the man of the house now. She'll be She'll be the father of the house and she'll take care of them all. So, I mean, you could say that she encapsulates this paternal affection and protection for her family as well and for her loved ones but when it comes to other people when it comes to strangers when it comes to people that she doesn't value and because she sees how shallow they are then she is prickly and brash and defiant i think that shows how she isn't going out of her way to please anyone she is just being herself which is which is very important on the other hand, you have Anne, who is pleasant to everyone because she desires to be liked so much. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I think Jo has that sort of inner strength to herself, which people mistake for, oh, she's just not soft. She's not maternal. No, she is. She just doesn't owe you a smile if she doesn't want to. She chooses to be maternal with those people that she wants to be maternal with, like Beth and with Laurie. And I think there's even a moment in uh, Little Woman, I think it's the chapter Surprises, there's this moment where the, the narrator or Joe who says that when Friedrich comes, Joe forget to compare him to Laurie because Laurie had been her model of masculinity. So Friedrich replaces that model, that old model of masculinity. And he replaces that because Laurie's model of masculinity betrayed Joe when he tried to force her to marry him. Yeah. And Friedrich never does that. He gives Joe the option to marry him. So I do have this one essay from someone that I really disagreed with. So it's an essay titled Little Women, Our Civil War by Judith Fetterly. And she notes, so she basically notes the age difference and how that's significant in each of their relationships. And she notes how um, the age difference between Laurie and Joe is important. And her argument is that Laurie and Joe are meant to be together, which I disagree with greatly. <laughs> <laughs> but she notes that Laurie is younger than Joe, and therefore she cannot like him, because, of course, she cannot have power over him. Laurie is younger than, than her, and he is less mature. Something like that. I'm just trying to find it. <laughs> now and so obviously she can't you know she can't marry someone younger than her oh yes here we go 
Okay, so obviously one of the major problems Alcott faced in writing Little Women was making up someone for Joe to marry, since, as we have seen, marry she must. She cannot marry as she cannot love Laurie, not as Marnie claims because they are too alike in temperament, but because they are too alike in status, they are too equal. If anything, Laurie is Joe's inferior, as her constant reference to him as the dear boy implies. Unfortunately, perhaps, for Joe and Laurie, little women can only love up, not across or down. They must marry their fathers, not their brothers or sons. Then Laurie gets Amy, who is a fitting child for him, and Joe gets her papa Bear, who, as the Germanic and Ursine connotations of his name suggest, is the heavy, heavy authority figure necessary to offset Joe's own considerable talent and vitality. His oh, age, no. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, it's so bad. And so I heard, I heard several arguments against this. One of which is that this seems to be a very nice guy supportive argument, and by that I mean I think we all know what a nice guy trope is: is the guy mm. who presents being nice as his entire personality. And so, you know, of course you should date him. He's like, he's nice, of course. And so this feels like something that very much supports that because. Of course, Laurie is the more empowering choice. He's younger than her. And, you know, Professor Bear is older than her. And he he seems to be this authority figure. When we see, actually, Laurie is this very spoilt and and childish companion for Joe. And it's not even necessarily about restriction, but he weighs her down. He pulls her back. He doesn't support her art, her craft. He isn't equal to her in intelligence. The only thing they're equal on is age. And even then, technically, I think he's a year older than her. And yes, he I think so. Try to dominate. He does try to dominate over her. Okay, so he's not as mature as her. He's definitely immature in comparison to her. But he still tries to dominate over her. And in my experience, you know, just because someone's younger than you doesn't necessarily make that choice more empowering. I personally have an experience with a Laurie-esque type of character, um, type of person. And yeah, I would definitely say it's not about the fact that you're two alike and obviously that can't happen. It's not that you're too equal. If you're really that equal, then you'll make it work. No, I think the issue a lot of these analysts have is the fact that Joe does pick someone who is suited to her. And they kind of, they water it down to just his age and just the fact that he advises her. And they they portray it as he is, like, holding this authority over her. The professor is absolutely not trying to be authoritative over her at all he is literally just stating his opinion gently and he does it in such a way that he he doesn't want to hurt her as well he's doing it very gently but firmly and reminding her of her values laurie on the other hand can't take no for an answer so i really fail to see how their respective choices how laurie getting amy who i would hardly call 
Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Call a child for him, you know. She's not <laughs> really well, in fact. Amy is such a comfort character of mine because she's so angry and defiant in her own way. She's very politely defiant. She's a sort of Jane Austen makes a snide remark and destroys your self-esteem sort of defiant yeah i don't think you can hardly perceive amy as a child when she's so mature and put together and so respectful and kind and compassionate and see joe as a child in comparison to the professor when he values and uplifts her you know she's very much in charge in their relationship as well he's very much respectful of her views and of her values not just because they're his own but because they're hers he respects that about her yes i agree critic is really not authority figure over joe because in these chapters when they are in new york the authority figure is really the two editors one editor wants her to write sensationalism and the other editor wants her to write only moralistic stories. And then we have yeah. Friedrich who basically tells her that, no, you shouldn't write to either one of these people, you should write to yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I fail to see the problem with that. This is one of the key points that I would cite as a turning point in Joe's heroine's journey, where she is the real masculine authoritative figures are the ones telling her to steer away from her true style it would be her editors and this is you know like i said this is normal for a heroine's journey where she is trying to align herself with masculine values with the values of the patriarchal society and what they want from her so that she can be just as good as the rest okay so she's making money she is financially independent she is just as good as the rest but what has she lost She's writing stuff that she doesn't even care about, that she doesn't even like, that she calls trash. And a lot of people say that the fact that she goes back to writing what she cares about, that's just putting her in her place. No, if anything, that's pushing her upwards and helping her find her new place. I think this essay, which is about Alcott's Civil War, the argument basically, the the thesis of the essay is that Joe must be held back. She can never come completely into her own. But I would not say that. I would say that if she were to continue writing sensationalism, then she's held back because she's restricted by the expectations of a patriarchal society. She's restricted to the expectations of what everybody else wants, but not what she wants. You know, possibly the most empowering thing about Little Women is that in the end, it's all her choices. It's what she cares about. It's what she loves. It's what she writes. It's what she does for herself. And the heroine's journey is this, I think, 
brilliant monomyth that shows that balance of the respect to oneself and the respect to one's outer society you know because it's not necessarily about masculine and feminine it's about what you do for others and what you do for yourself and respecting your choices and that inner respect you have for yourself then using that for the rest of the world around you and Jo does that she respects herself she keeps her own values and what does she get as a reward for it she gets she gets the opportunity to own a property which is again extremely rare for women back in 19th century 18th century and she not only that she starts a boys school she is literally rebuilding society with this new generation of men I think to you know, belittle any of that is to completely misunderstand the value in not just children, not just in teaching, but in writing, in in family and relationships and connection, which oh, I think today tend to be dismissed a lot anyway. But it's not just about religion. It's not just about, you know, being told what to do but it's not it wasn't that it was never that for joe it was having her values and her passions respected having her family respected it's being able to write what she likes and being able to teach it to other people it's all important i think yes definitely there's this quote from louisa may alcott in one of her journals from the time when she was in her 20s and she writes that when she is rich or when she has more money, she would like to start a school for boys. And I thought that was so interesting. Obviously, she didn't got to do that, but she did support lots of orphan houses and young, yeah, really young education. If you, if you look back at the author's life, a lot of what she wrote in Little Women was actually what she aspired to. So I don't really see how people think that she was just writing for the money and she was writing what her editors wanted. No, she was writing what she wanted. So I think anyone who tries to support their argument, oh, well, Louisa May Alcott, she didn't actually believe in this or want this, I don't think they've actually done much research on her because she did and she... She definitely wrote her characters as the fantasy of what she wanted her life to be like. Yes, I agree. Every time when I read these sort of pro-Laurie and Joe essays, they never really speak about Laurie's character arc, or even Laurie as the way he's written to be in the book. They kind of see him as this trophy uh, husband. This is why I don't read them anymore, but that's... The impression that I often get when I have read those kind of articles and it's a shame and I wonder how much of that is based on adaptations because Laurie doesn't really have an arc in the adaptations and I even remember when I did research earlier that Greta Gerwig said in, in, in an interview that Friedrich Bear is a terrible bully who stops Cho from becoming a writer and forces her to start a school in Little Woman, it is Joe who wants to start a school, and as we discussed, yeah, it is the editor who yeah. is the patriarchal yeah. authority. So she completely demonized Friedrich's character because she doesn't think that he's good-looking enough for Joe, and Joe is not written to be pretty herself. Yeah, I think that's another thing that a lot of adaptations forget. 
Joe is not meant to be pretty. I don't know why they portray her as this beauty in every adaptation. I think the plainest we've actually seen her is perhaps the latest one, Saoirse Ronan. And even then, she's very conventionally pretty. Um, you know, she's in the book, she's described as very gawky and awkward. You know, she's compared to, like, a newborn foal because she's so clumsy. I think... I would really like to see an adaptation of Little Women where Joe is the stereotypical awkward girl, you know, the geeky awkward girl from the early 2000s rom-com, mm-hmm. where she's, like, got messy hair and she doesn't have perfect skin and she's she's not stick-thin and she's just a normal girl. I would like it if she, it was portrayed by someone who looks like me, basically. She looks <laughs> like a normal, real girl. And I would like to see that ordinariness about Joe's character jump out at me a bit more. I think that's kind of a long shot to ask with Hollywood because they can only really cast someone attractive, conventionally attractive and, you know, appealing to play roles like that. But I think it would just be so much more interesting to see that. Also to see that how you would have her look that way, but to have her story completely unrelated to beauty at all. I think that would be really interesting as well. Yes. Um, because Anne of Green Gables, the recent Netflix adaptation, they were careful to cast someone who looks quite ordinary. I think Amy Beth McNulty, you know, she's a very gorgeous actress and she's got s- s- such a beautiful soul. But I think definitely they made the right choice there. She's not striking in a particular way until you really look closely, which I think is perfect for Anne. And I, the first time I saw her, I was like, that's perfect. You know, they didn't try to age her up. They didn't try to glamorize her. They just really picked this little orphan girl. You know, they picked someone who didn't look striking or amazing. She just looked ordinary. I think, and to have her go through a lot of growth, learning about how she feels about beauty and how she feels about herself, I think that was really important to see. I think Sarah Davenport, who played Joe in the 2018 film, I thought she looked very close to the book Joe. I think so too, yeah. And I also really liked her portrayal of Joe. She definitely felt like a modern Joe to me. Please stop. Just I promise there'll always be 
So that was it, and it's very, very close to the dialogue. Yeah, I'm very surprised by how close it is. I think the important bit is that it is true that Anne rejects him that first time, and Gilbert is a little bit Laurie-esque that first time, but he's still not the same. It's still more... Anne doesn't reject him as, oh, you want this perfect wife for your household, and I'm not that. Like, that doesn't happen the first time he proposes to her. And... Anne is kind of looking for that home life. So it doesn't actually make sense for her to say that, actually. And I find it very unusual. The only reason, from what I can remember, is she doesn't want Gilbert to propose because she really values their friendship, but it's not because she has a problem with him or the life that he is presenting with her in particular. It's just that she doesn't quite feel the same way yet. Yeah. And there are certain things that in this dialogue that are directly taken from this 1933 little woman like she says that we end up fighting all the time that is something that Joe says that really doesn't make sense because apart from the initial fight that Anne and Gilbert have they actually get on amazingly well they challenge each other but they don't fight not even when they're married I don't think there's really any point where you see them fight even when it comes to the Leslie debate it's no. more of a debate, and they respect each other's positions, but it's never been a fight between them. Yeah, I think that's yeah. It really shows where they were adapting from. They weren't necessarily looking at the books, but they were just you know getting inspiration from Little Women, which makes sense because that was popular. That was gaining in popularity again at the time. But at the same time, it's really this is you know a prime example of why it's so important to go back to source material because you can read as many essays and as many and watch as many adaptations of something as you want, but it's never going to compare to viewing the original text and you know forming your own opinion of it. Yes, and like here, Anne says that she's so proud of him. That's like Joe's talking to Laurie. I'm so proud that you graduated and then yeah. Laura, Gilbert says I'm not good enough for you and Laurie says I know I'm not good enough for you but yeah. I actually have Gilbert's actual proposal here I can read it oh yes please I must things can't go on like this any longer Anne I love you you know I do I can't tell you how much will you promise me that someday you'll be my wife I I can't said Anne, miserably. Oh, Gilbert, you've spoiled everything. Don't you care for me at all? Gilbert asked after a very dreadful pause, during which Anne had not dared to look up. Not, not in that way. I do care a great deal for you as a friend, but I don't love you, Gilbert. But can't you give me some hope that you will, yet? No, I can't, exclaimed Anne, desperately. I never, never can love you in that way, Gilbert. You must never speak of this to me again. There was another pause, so long and so dreadful that Anne was driven at last to look up. Gilbert's face was white to the lips and his eyes, but Anne shuddered and looked away. There was nothing romantic about this. Must proposals be either grotesque or horrible? Could she ever forget Gilbert's face? Is there anybody else? he asked at last in a low voice. No, no, said Anne eagerly. I don't care anyone like that, and I like you better than anybody else in the world. We must go on being friends, Gilbert. 
Gilbert gave a bitter laugh. Friends, your friendship can't satisfy me, Anne. I want your love, and you tell me I can never have that. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Gilbert, was all Anne could say. Where all the gracious and graceful speeches were with, in imagination, she had been wont to dismiss rejected suitors. Gilbert released her hand gently. There isn't anything to forgive. There have been times when I thought you did care. I would deceive myself. That's all. Goodbye, Anne. <laughs> I think the very big contrast there is that he does clarify, he does ask for clarification. He asks whether it's possible she might love him in the future, but he never tries to change her mind. He then takes the responsibility onto himself. He goes, oh, I must have been mistaken, and there's nothing that I need to forgive. There's nothing you need to apologize for, which is such a stark difference to Laurie who is very upset and he tries to persuade her to love him and he tries to you know he's angry at her and he doesn't even respond to her apologies. Yes I do think Lucy Montgomery was inspired by Laurie's proposal in The Old Woman but this is way less creepy than Laurie's proposal and here you can also see that He's kind of fine with her rejecting him because he thinks that, well, he's going to wait some time and then ask again. So it's more like a, a frantic type of thing. Yeah, I think there is a point in Little Women, in Little Wives, where Frederick is about to ask her, but then he thinks, ah, she wouldn't say yes right now. So he kind of turns away as well. Later on, he realizes that she's ready and he realizes that he still wants to propose to her. Um, so, yeah, I think, honestly, there's much more similar between Gilbert and Friedrich than there is between Laurie and Gilbert. There's this maturity to Gilbert that Laurie just doesn't have. Well, Amy, you know, talks some sense into him, at yeah. least. <laughs> oh, Amy's wonderful. Yeah, definitely this 1980s kind of Green Gables. I think a lot of people kind of see Gilbert and Laurie the same because of this proposal. I think there's also a very big thing about class difference because obviously Gilbert, he's a working class character. So he's there is this maturity to him that Laurie just won't have because he's been born into privilege. Why I think Anne understands him much better as well. Gilbert has a hard life. And I like how in recent adaptations you do see a bit more to Gilbert you know in the recent Netflix adaptation you see more of his journey and it definitely feels more like a balanced story between Gilbert and Anne and seeing his struggles and him making his way through the world as well dealing with the loss of his dad and you know dealing with loneliness and figuring out who he wants to be I think we have those things in the books, but it's very subtle because obviously the story's focused on Anne. But yeah, I think there's just, there's way too much difference, you know, both class-wise, privilege, with Laurie and Gilbert. Gilbert understands what it is to deal with those realities, and Laurie just doesn't. Laurie, he kind of lives in a bubble. It's a shame that his character is not that well-developed in most adaptations. I've seen couple Little Women miniseries 2017 and then series from 1970s I feel like they tried to do more with him in the 70s series but still 
Little Woman is like a, a unique story in that sense. If you erase one character's character arc, you kind of miss everyone else's character arc because they're That's all connected. True. I think the only way you could really do an adaptation properly is if you were to do a mini series, because unfortunately, I think just doing a movie—it's just too short a runtime to be able to fit everybody's character arcs in in a nuanced way because I feel like you need to give Mommy and the rest of the girls mm-hmm. you know their part as well because Mommy's part is often not discussed and I think it would be a shame if you were to just you know focus on just making a movie and you miss out on those important messages in everybody's arc great to talk to you too I've really enjoyed this yeah I'm still getting used to talking about literature in general because I've only been a teacher for uh-huh. a few years so I'm still like, oh my gosh, people want to hear me talk about this. <laughs> I yeah, think you're doing a good job. Thank you, thank you. I really loved chatting with you. It was so fun to meet someone else who shares my views on these books and how empowering and important they are, because they, they really are. I'm yes. so looking forward to hearing our podcast when it comes out. Definitely. I love Anne of Green Gables. It's probably a book series that I have read most in my life. I'm yeah. a host of the Little Woman podcast. I have read Anne of Green Gables more often than Little Woman. It's not that I like Little Woman any less. It's just when I was a child, I read Anne of Green Gables series every summer. So I have read it maybe 20 times, the whole book series. Oh, the first time I read it, I was 11. But um, I actually only got the whole book series in 2020, and I've only read the whole series once. I've read the first book, like, oh, 50, 60 times, I don't know, I've lost count now. But yeah, the whole book series, it, I've only read the whole book series once. I really, really loved Rilla of Ingleside. I think just that whole book was really quite important to me because of the themes of war and loss going on in it. It was just so moving, you know. This was so lovely chatting with you. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yes, I hope to have another uh, podcast session with you sometime, discuss, you know, uh, some other characters in the books. But yeah, this has been brilliant. Yeah. Bye. Bye. That was our discussion with Star and myself. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make good choices. Bye. Embrace the tranquility of Ocean Isle Beach. As the crowds ebb away, the true essence of this coastal haven comes alive. Stroll along the quiet shoreline, collect seashells with loved ones, and savor the calm that only the off-season can bring. Discover cozy cafes, enjoy unhurried walks, and relish the beauty of nature's canvas. Ocean Isle Beach where serenity and connection flourish. Your stay awaits at OceanIsleStyle.com.